Would you turn with me again, please, this morning to John's Gospel, chapter 4. Instead of reading uh, as many verses this morning, I want to lift out just a few as a basis of our message this morning. Last week was thoughts on worship, and this morning it's more thoughts on worship. We're going to look at it again. Bless the Lord. John's Gospel, chapter 4, please. Verse 20, this is the woman at the well speaking to the Lord Jesus Christ. She says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship, pardon me, ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is off the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your blessed Holy Spirit in our midst this morning to touch our hearts, to draw us close to the Son of God around the table. Thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who bled and died for us at Calvary, who rose again the third day through your Spirit. Thank you this morning for every person represented and every family, every child and every leader that's away out there to Children's Church. Pray, O oh God, you'd bless them. And Lord, that you'd keep our young ones in the palm of your hand, Father. And for our youth, you keep your hand upon the youth of this church. And for each and every one of us, Lord, you would, Lord, you would mantle yourself upon every heart this morning. Those who are watching now, live, later, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever, we pray that you'd give them their portion of the blessing. And those who are Lord, I'm well this morning. I can't make it out. Those families are at home. We pray that you would bless them and give them their portion. Thank you for your settled presence. Thank you for the richness of your Spirit's anointing. Bless thy word unto our hearts this morning. And glorify your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I think when we look at this conversation again briefly, this woman at the well, we know she was a a woman who wasn't much thought of, a woman who had five husbands. She was on man number six. And the Lord Jesus, if you want, reads her diary to her, reveals to her, who she is, reveals exactly who she is. In fact, he's not only revealing to herself who she is, but he reveals to her who he is. And this will cause worship. And when you and I have revealed again to ourselves who we were, where Christ has saved us from, the mire and the pit where he has rescued us out of and lifted us from, 
And when we get it fresh in our minds and in our hearts, just exactly around the cross, what he has done for us, who we were and who he is. That heart regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God should naturally worship. Gratitude of the heart to Christ is worship. Being grateful for all that he's done for us is worship. And worship, as we said last week, is not just a Sunday thing. Worship is a lifestyle thing. A lifestyle. We want to look a little more just here, and then we're going to go somewhere else and look at worship this morning. Notice this woman says in verse 20, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. That was the epicenter of worship in Jerusalem. But the Lord Jesus said, and I can't stress how important this verse is. I mean, this is life-changing, but this is world-changing. This one verse. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me. I believe him. I hope you believe him too. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, the temple will be null and void. It will be destroyed. AD 70, it happened. And you're not going to have a temple to worship in. Rather, the Spirit will be building a new temple. Paul says, ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. This is very important. This verse, it just totally turns worship on its head, what man and woman thought or think that worship is. And if you could go up the mountain, which was probably Mount Gerizim, where this woman was, or if, if you had to go somewhere like that, or if you had to go somewhere uh, like Jerusalem, then, brothers and sisters, you and I are not worshipping in spirit this morning, and we are not worshipping in truth. We would have to go to one or the other. And Jesus says, this is changing. People will be worshipping in different lands, and they will be worshipping the Father in their spirit, and they will be the true worshippers. So that's you this morning. If you're saved and loving the Lord and worshipping him, and that is me this morning. Notice here, you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Then he talks of ignorant worship. Ye worship, ye know not what. Imagine the Lord Jesus coming to some churches today and saying, you don't even know what you're doing. Our church, to us, to me, to you, you don't even know what you're worshipping or how to worship. I've prayed many times, Lord, teach me that I might know how you would have me come before you. I know we come to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. But to come before him, that I would have communion and close fellowship with him. How do you want us to come before you, Lord, this morning? Father, show us how we should come before you. But notice, you're not going to worship in the mountain nor at Jerusalem. Some years ago, a lot of years ago, and Alice and I think weren't long married, we went on a holiday to Tenerife 
And there was an old man, he's actually, he's even older now because he's still alive. He's about 97, I think he is now, Alison Charlie. He's about 97, isn't he? And this man is full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, this man, you, you talk to him, you, you, you're in his presence for a while. Once he just opens in prayer, it's like heaven comes down. He just touches heaven. And I heard Charlie and his wife were in a, a hotel not far from us. And that morning I got up early and away I went up, way up the hill, halfway, I thought it was halfway up Tatey, but it wasn't. It was just the foot of the hill, the mountain. But I went away up the, a part of the mountain on my, on my own, just seeking the Lord and the sun. It was lovely. And I came down and Alison was getting herself ready for the morning to go out. And I was up praying and seeking the Lord. And I was feeling so holy, you know, just so blessed. And I thought, come on round to see Charlie and Evelyn. We went round into the hotel and Charlie went, oh, I didn't know you were here, son. And we're talking away and we sat in his room in the, in the hotel. And I said, Charlie, you'll never know where I was this morning. I was up the mountain praying, seeking the Lord. He says, I'm well. He says, what sort of time had you? I says, a great time. I says, the Lord was there. He was present. He was with me. And he says, good son, I'm glad to hear that. He says, I just saw him here and he was here too. <laughs> so it's neither the mountain nor Jerusalem. Worship is the heart that loves Christ. Not just in a time of singing, but worship is in prayer. Worship is in praise. Worship is the heart that adores Many of us need to get to that place. Worship is adoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Enamored with him to such a, an extent, to, in such a place that, uh, that we feel like the heart or the deer that pants after the water brooks. Feeling that we would, uh, we would die without a fresh drink at that fountain. He says, I'll give you Rivers of living water, water that will never run dry, waters that you can drink from. And he says it to this woman at the well, if you ask of me, I'll give you waters of eternal life. And so when we worship, we speak of worship. Everyone says, and, and look, we all do because it's how we phrase it. We're going to have a time of praise and worship. We all do. There's nothing wrong with it. But worship is a lifestyle, not just singing. A lifestyle. Do you love him this morning? I mean, do you really love him? Surprise you many people have asked over the years, do you love him? And they have no idea what I'm talking about. Do you adore the Lord Jesus this morning, brother, sister? Do you I mean does he just break your heart the thoughts of him melts it? Your heart and your heart melts in the midst of your of you, and you, it runs through you, as it were, because of your love. When you think of him, do you adore him? I do. I love him with all my heart. I love him. That's worship. Worship isn't always about singing or dancing, and and I'm not, not saying anything against any of these things, by the way or even speaking in tongues and all this. No, no, no. Worship is loving Jesus. And worship is keeping his commandments. 
Aye. Many people don't like to think of that. But he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So lifestyle. So when Israel had the commandments, in the, if you want, on the two tables of stone, when they went away from temple or from tabernacle before it, as Glenn had read earlier, when they went away from that, they worshipped the Lord in the sense where they were keeping commandment. Now we know that we can't be saved by that. But Christ came and kept it for us and saved us because we by faith trust in him. And so when we're walking with Christ, we realize that we must walk right. I just want to please my heavenly father. I want to please him. If I do wrong, he's not going to kick me out or he's not going to get rid of me or nor you either. But I want to please him because I love him. Because I love him. Do you? So is our lifestyle pleasing to the Lord? Is what we do, would that be pleasing to him? Because if it is, that's worship. Live a life of worship. Notice here, in verse 23, the Lord Jesus says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And how we looked last week at how the Father seeks. Remember the figs on the leaves? Jesus goes to the fig tree looking through the foliage and the branches, looking for fruit there. And he finds none and it's cursed. Speaking of the Jewish nation. Notice this. God is a spirit, or God is spirit, it really would read. And they that worship him must, here's must worship, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Will you turn with me to Genesis 22? Genesis chapter 22. So I don't know about you this morning, but we think worship has to be all extravagant uh, in the sense of what we do, manifestly great and big and even loud. I'm not saying that can't happen or it shouldn't happen. I'm not saying that. But I don't know about you this morning, but I'm aware of his gentleness this morning. Of his gentleness with us this morning. And as I bring this, I'm conscious that I don't offend. I don't want to offend the precious dove of the Holy Ghost. Let your eye run down to verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I am the lad, that's Isaac, will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now this is, this chapter I would advise you to read it, but this is Abraham taking Isaac. The Lord says, take Isaac, thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and offer him up for a burnt offering for me. And Abraham is taking his son, stops the young men or the servants, 
He says, me and Isaac, we're going to go to this mountain. We'll worship, and then we will come back again. So you stay here. Notice, we will come back again. The thing about this is, Abraham had to have faith and obedience in what God had told him before he could say that. If he slays Isaac, what about the promised seed? If he slays Isaac. You see, Genesis 17 and 21, this is what the Lord says, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac. My covenant will I establish with Isaac. Genesis 21 and verse 12, he says, in Isaac shall thy seed be called Isaac's sons. So if the Lord tells him, take your son, thine only son Isaac, but he had Ishmael. Notice that, he had Ishmael. But the Lord only seen Isaac, whom thou lovest and offer him up. But Lord, you have said you'll establish it with Isaac. You said in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And the Lord says, you do as I say and leave it to me basically. So it takes faith. And he starts taking him up in faith. When you and I are walking, believing God in faith, that is counted as righteousness to Abraham, Christ's righteousness, because he walked in faith, is counted to us. But when you and I walk in faith as believers, what we are saying is, I trust you, Father. I believe you, Father. Because he was not only to stick the knife into Isaac and slay him, he was to burn him to ash. He was to burn him to ash. Now he had to believe God was able to do more than he could ever ask or think of him. And that God would keep his word to him because he says we're going there and we're coming back again. Here Abraham through faith is showing worship of God. The word worship here is a word shachah and it means to bow down, to prostrate oneself, to fall flat out on your face. And that's the way Abraham would worship. He would get down on his knees. He would bend down and then he would lie flat. And then he would lie flat. Sometimes we think, well, if I was to, if I was to move, if I'm, I'm afraid to lift my hand in case someone looks at me, afraid to raise my hands and worship in case someone was to think I was strange. We get all these things, you know. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters: worship is the heart moving, God moving the heart, and if the heart is moved, surely it should move the body. And Abraham and his son were going up. He was going to slay him, but he was going to prostrate himself and worship God and worship the Lord. The first mention of the word shachah for worship is found when the three men came to Abraham's tent. And it was the Lord, remember, and the two angels came as men. And then it was Abraham who ran out. And it says, 
it says in Genesis 18 and verse 2, he bowed himself toward the ground. Worship gives the idea to depress oneself. Don't be talking about depression now. I'm talking about it gives the idea to make oneself smaller because of the greater. And when we worship the Lord, we're giving of him to say, Lord, we are smaller. You are the greater. You are the greater. Then the second mentioned is important as well. It's in Exodus 24 and verse 1. It says, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the mountain, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye, notice, afar off. They weren't able to come close yet. Don't come close. Israel at one point were told not even to touch the mountain when Moses was up it. But the Lord has said, now I'm allowing others to come closer. And God was revealing himself for worship. And now you and I, with the veil and the temple rent in twain, you and I can come closer. We can come right into the throne of grace, the throne room. We can come right in and worship. And many of us don't avail of it because of something or someone or upbringing or whatever it may be. Our hearts aren't moved. Our hearts aren't moved. So worship is sacrificial. Worship is service. Worship is spiritual because it's from the heart. And worship is scriptural. Listen to Psalm 95 and verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Like, Take note of that. If you're reading that, take note of that. Psalm 95 and verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. When we look at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, when we have the, the three wise men, as people think, we don't know how many wise men, but when the Magi came to the baby Jesus, and it says when they came... It says that when they saw the child, the mother, Mary, and the child, they fell down and worshipped him. Not Mary, but they worshipped him. Now take note of this. What they were fulfilling was in accordance to Psalm 95 and verse 6. Notice, they fell down and they worshipped him. Pastor, what if this morning, I'd have been worshipping and I'd have got down on my knees with my face to the floor. Well, if you want to do that, I'd be fine with that. If the whole church done it, I'd be fine with that. But what would you do if I got on my knees and I was in tears and was on? Well, look, if you want to get on your knees on a concrete floor, I mean... You're not paying penance here, but you can get on your knees if you wish on a concrete floor. And uh, Derek and Martin were in yesterday, uh, and they hoover the whole lot up every Saturday. They clean the whole place for you every Saturday, and they just come in and do it, and they don't even speak about it. They come in and do it, and off they go. You wouldn't even know that they had done it for you, but they've done it for us. But if you wanted to do that, that's fine. 
Because that's what the scripture says. That's what they've done before Jesus. They're fulfilling Psalm 95 and verse 6. So come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. What they are saying is this, is that we are kneeling or bowing down before the creator who's in the form of a span like a baby. So this woman says, our fathers worshipped in the mountain. You're to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, the time is coming when you won't worship in either of them. Not one of them would you need to go and to worship in. I was thinking, and this is what a... This is what I just jotted down as I was thinking about coming close to him. You see, if you draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto you. If you draw nigh unto God or near to God, God will draw nigh unto you. But this is what I had written. I just jotted it down roughly when I was writing this during the week about getting me, myself, Getting closer to God. The closer I get to God, the more I realize my need of His grace. And not the arrogancy of my self sufficiency. The closer I get to God, the revelation of self would condemn me to damnation. But for Christ interposing his precious blood and clothing me in his righteousness, giving me confidence to pursue further into the holy of holies. My heart is blessed with such grace. My soul is renewed by such love. My spirit is rejoicing at such mercy. I lift my hands as a child to its father. My whole being worships him with gratitude. So when I'm writing about worship, that's what I wrote about me coming into his presence. That he would even allow me to come. That he even let me come. And yet he's made it freely for you and I to come and to worship. What mercy. What grace. What love. What compassion. Such goodness. You see, in the Old Testament, man makes a tabernacle, then a temple, but a tabernacle for God to come and meet with him. You can worship here, then the temple. In the New Testament, God makes a temple out of man after, that is after the cross and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God makes a temple out of man. Man makes a temple for God in the Old Testament. Then God makes a temple or a tabernacle out of man. But in the kingdom age and its fullness into eternity, God becomes our tabernacle himself. The Revelation says that he is our tabernacle. And how will that be? I have no idea. Think about it. Men could erect 
even as Glenn read this morning, with all the curtains and all the colors, as God has said it for him to meet with Israel, God says, these are the dimensions. This is how you come. And so you come this week in the wilderness. And of course, in Jerusalem, the temple and the tabernacle before. Think about this. Who would have ever thought that God would come to live in the hearts of all of us? What sort of a temple is that? It's a living temple, a spiritual temple. It's a temple not made with hands. It's that we are the temple that is not made with hands. Man's hands, then God's hands is whom we are made up from. And then in eternity, in eternity, God makes himself the temple for us. To dwell in. He fills the whole of the heavens and the earth. And is it manifest presence? Is it because we are changed in the moment, the twinkling of an eye? It's because all those old things are past and there's no more sin and death and sickness and sorrow and mourning and separation and all of those things that, that we struggle and fight against is because all of that is gone and we are now in a living, a new body living in the spirit continually without any temptation or trial or troubles. I don't know, but all I know is that one day we will be living and God will be our temple. He'll be in us and through us. And Paul tells us God will be through all and in all. Everything, his kingdom will be completely filled with the Spirit from heaven to earth, from the earth to the heavens again. I personally believe that he's going to All the planets, he's going to redo all of those planets because there'll be a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. I believe that he, maybe there'll be more earth-like planets that he will create. And that's me personally, because I believe that he's going to do all of these things for they speak of wantonness and emptiness and they speak of nothingness and death and vanity. But God and his spirit will bring life to all things that are dried up and gone and died. And we will be living in him. Living in him. He's living in us. We'll be living in him. And the Lord Jesus says that the Father was in him and he was in the Father. Think about this, brother, sister. When we worship, it's as though we're standing in heaven at times, worshiping before the throne. But yet we're on earth because we're in the Spirit. Eternal. Omnipresent Spirit of God. You know, worship is always pertaining to a sacrifice. Worship is always pertaining to sacrifice. Abraham went to sacrifice. All the sacrifices in the tabernacle, the temple, they were all sacrificing as a form of worship until they became absolutely and totally ungodly in what they were doing. And I haven't time today. I maybe do another week. I don't know because of so much to show you. How the words, even Jesus says, your heart is far from me. And the idea is that you've put, you've put your heart willingly away from me because this is, this is someone who should know better. You've, you've willingly turned your heart from me because sacrifice, not for salvation. Please get me, please don't get me wrong here. Now we're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of workplace any of us should boast. This is to do. With worship. 
I'm not trying to be cruel when I say this, but when I see some old boys getting up behind a high altar or whatever it may be, and there's no emotion in their face, there's no joy in their and they're in their tone, and they're dour, and they're dire, and they're dull, and and it's a case of, well, let's sing a song. <laughs> Since Jesus came into my heart, yeah, seriously, I'm not, I, I, I'm just trying to give you an idea. Seriously, since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came in, my heart has loved him. From Jesus came in to my life, my heart has adored him and worshipped him. I can't get enough of him. I need to be with him and I need to I speak to him in my dreams even. In my, very, in my very thoughts, in my mind, everything is my mind. is It's always about him. I talk to him more than I talk to my own wife. I'm walking around talking. It wouldn't be the first time in Allison would have heard me saying, we're in the car one time in particular, and I says, I'm just thinking about it, and I want to love you. She went, oh. <laughs> I says, no, I'm talking to the Lord. <laughs> I do love you, by the way, but I'm talking to the Lord. But that's what it is. Brothers and sisters, this is a living worship, a, a lifestyle of worship, driving, walking, talking. I love you, Lord. Lord, I I can't do without you. I worship you. I love you, Jesus. Every day, all through the day. I love you. I love you, Lord. Our worship is always pertaining to sacrifice. Sometimes you have to get up and go, as it were. Get to the place where Lord, I don't even, uh, it's my feelings. Remember last week I talked about the 12 emotions of the human being, the 12 main emotions of the human being. We're all emotional. We all get to the point where we don't really want to because we're human. But get to the place where even in your heart and your mind, you're realizing that he loves you. Makes you worship him. That he shed his blood for you and died for you, gave his all for you. It makes you worship him. Worship is always pertaining to sacrifice. It's not always easy. Praise is the exaltation of his name and the recognition of his greatness. And prayer is love and need appealing to love and power. When we pray, we must start believing that we are praying to the Father who loves us and we're not praying it against his will, but praying into his willingness. Into his willingness. Our worship is determined on how real God is to us. I want to say it again. I don't want you to miss it. Our worship is determined on how real God is to us. Our worship is how we realize... And recognize all that he's done for us. Our worship is what we deem his worth to be. His worth-ship. He's worthy of your praise. 
He is worthy of the glory. He is worthy of all the honor. He's worthy of your time. He's worthy of your giving. He's worthy of your sacrifice. He's worthy of all yourself. Christ is worthy. Listen to R.A. Torrey. R.A. Torrey. And I thought this was beautiful. I'm going to have to wrap this up. Worship. Worship is adoring contemplation of God. Worship is adoring contemplation of God. And you know, you can worship by sitting in your seat, contemplating the things of God and adoring Him. Ever just sit there sometimes? The whole house is busy. He's just there. He's just there. He's in your heart. He's in your mind. He's there. He's right in front of you. Your mind is just thinking, maybe it's just me, but that's that's all I know. He's just there. That contemplation of all that he is. I adore you, Lord. I adore you. C.E.T., if we could get to the place where we all adore him. I mean, I mean, adore him. Adore him. Everything would change. I adore you, Lord. You know, David danced before the Lord, do you know that? In his underwear. Not asking you to do that in church now, by the way. Don't mind the soft shoe shuffle, the Pentecostal two-step here and there, but, you know, David burled round and round in circles, and his wife, Micaiah, went, oh, let me put it into modern-day terms. She was watching out the window, see him coming, because the, the presence of God in the ark was eventually being carried up through the streets when the blood was shed here and six paces another blood was shed blood was shed here and blood was shed there and everywhere was just the blood was here and the blood was there and animal sacrifice animal sacrifice here and there and here and there and the priests are carrying the ark down representing Christ in the presence of God and before there is David and he's running around in his little linen ephod and there before all the people he, he wasn't worried about who was watching him there was an audience of one as far as David was concerned, and it was his God. When I worship, there's an audience of one. Who was I talking to yesterday? You said something about when I was preaching and maybe things before. Anyway, thing, things that might happen before or you're told something before and it can be upsetting or annoying and then you have to get up into the pulpit to preach or whatever. And I said something like, you know what? See, whenever I get up into the pulpit to preach, it's like it's never happened. It's like it's never happened. Do you know why? Because as far as I'm concerned, me here, it's me and him. It's me and him. David starts burning round. church you mustn't do that in church that's very unscriptural 
psalmist done it? And many of you, many people like to sing psalms and psalms only. Let me finish this morning with this, will you? Thank you for your attention this morning. I want to just run something past you. For example, in Ephesians chapter 5 and 19, Paul says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Okay, Ephesians 5 and 19. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And, look, and again, this is not against anyone, but to those who say we should only sing psalms. Now, they say the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs are the same. So it would be psalms, psalms, and psalms. They're really pointing to the same thing. And what they, what they talk about is, it's a, it's a what way to put this? It's called hendiatrus in theological terms, hendiatrus. So for example, it means one through three. One through three. Hen is one, okay? Dia or dia is through. Jesus passed through the heavens, we're told, is the word dia. So it's one, hen, die, or dia, through, and, and tris, or for tri, for three, hendiatri, or hendiatris. And the ans, ans are important because it's only, allegedly, I'm told, that it's only meant to be when the and is in between these. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so the and is the word kai. Hen kai would be one and. Okay? I don't want to get too technical. So they take this to mean that this is all one conjunctive sentence and spiritual songs has to be throw the spiritual bit in the end so it's when you get to the end, you go back to front, and it's only in Greek now, it's not in the Hebrew, so it's not right to left, it goes spiritual songs, and it goes back this way, meaning the exact same thing. That's where they, to me it's a bit like a, it's a bit like stretching chewing gum, trying to make this fit, so there'd be psalms, psalms, and psalms. You see, the word, but the problem is, the word psalms is the word hymnos, hymnos, pardon me, psalmos, and psalmos actually means to play with an instrument. But they say there's no instruments to be played with these. It means to play with stringed instruments. The word hymn or hymnos, it gives the idea of a sacred song. And the word uh, for song is the word ode, where we would get our word ode, a sacred ode. So they keep trying to say that this is all psalms, psalms, and psalms. And spiritual is pneumaticos, meaning your spirit, my spirit, and it could be used for the Holy Spirit. So if it be so, yet the three through, one through three means all of these three, all coming back the way, is the same meaning as the one. So it's all just psalms. Look, there's men with better brains and knowledge than me that have talked about this, but others have said, now hold on a minute, but sure there's stringed instruments here. And hold on a minute because there's odes here, which is a different word. And there's songs here, it's a completely different word. So brothers and sisters, when we are looking at singing to the Lord in our hearts, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Actually, last week I said I would like to learn psalms and put it to music, and Stephen there sent me a link to it. So I'm going to have to share it with the group. You probably already know it. I don't because I don't do a lot of songs or music. 
And this is why I'm telling you this, brothers and sisters. In church setting, we should be singing from the Psalms with music. And sacred songs like hymns. And odes or things like choruses. And when we sing it, it's to be in the spirit. And that means the same as the Lord says, the true worshippers shall worship in spirit, small s, and in truth. It means in our regenerated hearts as believers. If you're saved and love him, then we just want to worship. And that's the worship here. I wanted to clear that up because it was mentioned to me, would I maybe touch on it? Brothers and sisters, when Jesus comes to this woman, when Jesus comes to this woman, and he says to her, the time's coming and now is when true worshippers, true worshippers, and you see the word true there. My memory's serving me right. The word truth is the word aletheia. Aletheia. Shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The word truth there is aletheia. But true worshippers changes a little bit. And it gives the idea of those, I want to get this right now, those who will worship not in name only, but their character. Their character at all times upholds the name they're singing to. True worshippers. True worshippers. I'd done a study one time in I think it was in the building down there on posture, how we should be in our posture in worship. And you can find it online. And we bring out all the verses that talk about kneeling, prostrating, standing, lifting our hands in worship. We've done a whole study on it. And if you don't, and you, that's fine, but it's your heart not your posture. It's your heart, not your posture. And can you leave here this morning? I'll maybe do one more. I'll tell you why. Next week, I think it is. Is, is it the Halloween weekend? Next weekend? Is it? No? The week after? Right. I'll tell you why. I'm thinking of doing it on the Sunday morning. Maybe do it over two Sunday mornings. The five solas of the Reformation. Because when the world is running after Halloween, and even some Christians are running after Halloween, on the, on the 31st of October, we don't run after Halloween, nor do we practice it. The 30, 31st of October, to every one of us should be Reformation Sunday. Or sorry, the Sunday it falls on, but Reformation Day. Where we look at how the truth of Scripture came out to set us free. Martin Luther, a Roman Catholic nun, monk, sorry, Roman Catholic monk, set free. Now maybe do two weeks and separate these and show the, 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 the five solas in Scripture. Maybe next week or I'll start the week after. I'll see how I feel that. But uh, I'm hoping that this is touching your heart, that something's grabbing you here. I need to worship. Come on, let's worship. Team, would you come up, please?